Candy Louise, it's so nice to chat to you today. Thank you for spending some time with me. How's everything going? Good, good. I mean, summer's coming up, so um, so there must be some sunshine, surely. Knowing the British weather, probably not, but yes, that's something it's, to look forward to. It's like Christmas outside. I think we should just get our trees down and just get it up early, to be honest. So down for that. <laughs> I would honestly, I just watch all the Die Hard movies and that'll be my day done. That'll See, be my day. I'm in that that band of Die Hard isn't a Christmas film. I'm going to have to leave. Uh, suddenly I've got something else to do. What? I feel yeah. like this is unearthed something in me, actually, that maybe we should keep down. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll put out a poll. Yeah. Yeah. Please let us know. <laughs> do you think Die Hard is a Christmas film? Yes or no? Definitely yes not. Or no. Um, well, I'd love to chat to you about um, something that has come from your past, really, because you didn't start in vocal coaching. You had a really interesting nine years somewhere else which is actually really useful for you building your business and for us to learn from you Mm -hmm. so can you tell us a little bit about kind of your background and what you did and how you came into what you do now yeah yeah sure so um so like I guess every young hopeful musician I came to Brighton which is where I am now um, to do my degree in music and then left uh with my degree and went oh can't really make much money, can you, doing music? And I didn't really know what I was doing, you know, like most 21-year-olds. And I sort of ended up stumbling into digital marketing, really. So I started um, I started working kind of account management stuff, so working with small businesses and helping them to kind of build their websites and build their web presence around that. And then it just kind of carried on from there. So so that's where I started in relatively kind of small one-to-one businesses really. Um, and then I kind of grew into working with bigger corporates and bigger um, organizations. So um, people like the World Health Organization, which un- unfortunately we all know now. Uh, nobody knew it when I, when I worked with them, but everyone knows who they are now. Um, Teenage Cancer Trust, uh, Mind, um, and, then, and then corporates, which are won't talk about them so much because I yeah you don't get as much enjoyment when you're not really 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 helping people um so so my role was really to help them deliver on their mandate and deliver on their digital marketing goals whether that was content driven stuff um advertising um some social media things uh, and and website and seo as well so I'd done that for uh I got into it probably when I was around 22 23 so um I've been doing it yeah I've been doing it for basically ages and then alongside doing my own band you know still writing and doing session work and then I started vocal coaching around I think three three years ago now so I was working full-time in the digital marketing and then coaching in the evenings um and yeah it's uh who knew actually that all those skills would come in so and, and be so useful I guess it, it's one of those things like everything that the longer you spend in it the more you you forget that people don't know about it um and you just go oh of course you would do that why, why wouldn't you and and it's been quite a refreshing experience I guess leaving that because I left digital marketing uh last September and went full-time self-employed as a vocal coach and it's been quite refreshing to speak to other vocal coaches um and actually I guess reconnect with that that idea that that not everyone is is aware of what digital marketing is and and really how important it is for their business. Mm. 
Absolutely. And I know for myself, digital marketing has always been one of those things that I'll buy a book and that will be, I'll, I'll feel accomplished that way. I'll be like, yeah, I'm doing some digital marketing. I've got a book, you know, it sits on my shelf. But it was actually something totally out of any experience that I'd had. And I can imagine a lot for um, vocal coaches really not knowing where to start and what it even means. Mm. And there's so much to kind of delve into, um, which was so great that you then put together your digital marketing course um for us and it was so coherent but also opened out all of the rabbit holes and all of the pies that you have to kind of dip your fingers into um so where would you suggest that a vocal coach who has no digital marketing experience or knowledge mm-hmm. start so i guess um yeah taking that first step is the scariest by far because it does for rabbit hole is the yeah that's the great way to to describe what digital marketing feels like as a rabbit hole and and a lot of people feel fearful of what that first step is and you know if I do it wrong is something bad going to happen and the truth is no nothing bad will ever happen and and the best thing you can do before you even start putting together a, a strategy or actually doing things like writing blogs that would be classed as digital marketing is to kind of figure out two things I guess the first is um, kind of who are who are you? You know, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? Um, we do obviously in the course, you know, we do a SWOT analysis. So strengths, weaknesses, opportunity and threats. So working out who are you and what is your USP? So what makes you different? Because sounds so I feel like a Pinterest board right now is what I'm going to say. <laughs> but but all of us do have, you know, from from our experiences and personal preferences and um just our enjoyment of, of coaching, there will be something that makes you different than other people. Um, so to just put it all down on paper, you don't have to do anything digital, just get a piece of paper, write down, what am I good at? What actually aren't I very good at? What could I be better at? And what are the threats? What are the things that could happen that could derail that? So for example, COVID can be seen as a threat or an opportunity because a lot of us have moved into digital um, teaching and got, um, what's the word, like students nationwide. So students, mm-hmm. I've got one in America. I never would have had a student in America prior to this because I now suddenly do online lessons and it's totally normal. But at the same time, loads of people stopped coming because they didn't want to do online lessons. So that's a prime example. So, so number one, write it all down, figure it out and highlight the things that make you different. And your weaknesses, don't don't worry if there's loads of them, it doesn't matter. You know, you can get better at them or you cannot, it doesn't matter. But figure out what it is that makes you different, number one, and who you are. And number two, figure out who you want to teach. So when we first start, we all, I, I say we all, I did this, I'm sure you did. You go, oh, I'll just teach anyone. I'll just teach anyone, of course I will. Because there's, I say the word imposter syndrome, uh, but there is a lot of imposter syndrome when you first start. And, and there's it, it's the same for us as, as coaches. We go in and go, I'd, I don't know what I'm going to do in this situation. And you learn on the job. We all do. There is not really much. Uh, there's not loads of training out there, really, is there? Obviously, you know, with the BAS course, that's something that I've done, as you know. But there's not loads of accredited training out there mm. at all. It's very unregulated. Mm-hmm. Um, so we turn up and we go, oh, and I might as well get as much experience as possible. Three years down the line, you're teaching people you don't want to teach and it gets boring because by that point, you sort of learned what you like 
what you don't like as personal preference as a coach um also what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy so for me personally i i do a stagecoach theater school at the weekends that's kind of enough children for me I don't actually enjoy teaching children so much Mm -hmm. because of the way I like to teach Mm -hmm. I really like teaching I teach a lot of songwriters I teach screamers teach a lot of extreme vocals and that's not the type of stuff that kids turn up and go oh I really want to learn how to scream and and obviously for them they're not fully formed so there there's a safety aspect there with them um so in order to work out who you want to teach I would say again get your notepad out get your notepad out write down who you are teaching first like what are their demographic are they male female uh what's their age you know what are they is it a hobby is it a professional thing is it just they're a kid and their parents just want to get rid of them for half an hour at the weekend you know what is it that is their purpose for coming to you and then from there you can kind of go well I really like teaching John John's really I really like teaching Barbara I don't know why all these names <laughs> they could be elderly people you might enjoy teaching elderly people um but you can start to pick out the people that you enjoy teaching and again go well I want to teach them and you can then become um aware of matching the two up so this is what I'm really good at this is what I really enjoy that's who I need to market to mm-hmm. basically the two-pronged attack is uh, what I've just right. named it I've just named it right now brilliant there two-pronged attack <laughs> I like that. (laughs) I guess that's um, John Henney talks uh, a bit in his book about um, creating this avatar. Mm -hmm. And it's his second in his series, I believe, the uh, creating authority. I'll I'll, um, put the the book in the in the link. Um, But it talks about uh, creating this avatar. And I guess that's kind of what you're going from there. Who do I want to teach? As a new vocal coach, how do we know unless we teach them? But at the same time, from our USP and going through all of our demographic, what we mm-hmm. enjoy, what we feel like we could be good at or bring to the table, from that we can go into, okay, here's this kind of outline of who we think we would be good for or who we would also enjoy teaching because it's our job at the end of the day. We also have to be enjoying what we do um, and wanting to turn up to the studio and really being able to offer stuff. Um, and, and that's it. That's where it becomes obviously tricky because it is a job. So there is that time where, again, you know, we've all been there. We'll just teach any Tom, Dick and Harry because we need the money. You know, Mm -hmm. we need the money because we've got bills to pay. But when you can, you know, when you sit down and you go, well, I don't like teaching them or I do like teaching them. And and if you're not, if you're not particularly a money driven person, which I'm not, I'm, you know, I don't really kind of care about that. As long as I've got enough to survive, I'm okay. It means that you can take more of a risk almost and go, well, I'm only going to, I'll keep these people that I like that maybe aren't in my target audience, but I'm going to phase them out because they'll naturally drop off as anyone does. Mm -hmm. And I'm only going to take the people that I want to take coming in. Mm -hmm. And the thing about your target audience, especially is it will change over time as your circumstances change. Mm -hmm. You might want to teach um, children as you have children because it fits in with your, um, with your time schedule. You might not want to teach at the weekends, you know, when you have kids, which then are, are the opposite teaching kids is uh, the weekends is kind of the best time for them so um it's something that's almost a time stamp I guess the, the target audience thing that is worth revisiting 
Mm-hmm. Those two two things, kind of who you are, what makes you different and who you want to teach are always worth revisiting every few years Yeah, because it will naturally change and your marketing has to follow. Mm. And I guess it's not a personal thing, is it? It's just that I'm not sure that I enjoy teaching hobbyists because I really want to delve into this or, mm. um, you know, I, I really am interested in the adolescent voice um, and kind of going with those with those interests. I know that's what I took from your course of really breaking it down. And um, it, it's not a personal I don't like <laughs> so and so it's it's just that personal preference of how you want to be spending your time and where you want to put your knowledge and things. That's exactly it. And I think obviously it can come across. I'm very well aware it can come across harsh to people when I say I don't want to teach children. I like kids, don't get me wrong, but the it just I I'm not good at it. You know, the truth is I'm just not I can't connect with children on a coach to student level in the same way that I can connect with someone who is suffering from performance anxiety because they've got a gig the next day who mm-hmm. you know is like 25 to 35 there's it's just a different relationship and I would be doing them a disservice if I took them on because I'm not the best coach for them and that and that also makes a good coach when you can identify what you're not good at and you're not then just taking someone's money for and doing something you don't like which inevitably comes into your lessons Mm. and then you don't have a great relationship with them because at the end of the day we're only we're here obviously to satisfy our own needs um, as human beings but at the end of the day we're here to provide a service and um, they need to succeed and feel great when they leave after that half hour an hour and uh, you can put on a happy face but if you're really not enjoying it it gets very tiring very quickly and, and the cracks can kind of begin to show and, and they don't get the best. And yeah. that's what we're here to provide them. Mm, mm. And with, with social media being so prevalent nowadays, mm-hmm. um, that is a great way for us to find our demographic with mm-hmm. um, relating it to our avatar. So how do you go about picking the best social media platforms for who you want to be attracting to your studio? Mm-hmm. Just social media. Oh, the word social media strikes fear, doesn't it, into anyone's yeah, yeah, heart? I, I got goosebumps as I said it. <laughs> <laughs> I hated myself when I said it. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah it's social media is, um, it's quite, it is terrifying. You know, I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm um, 31 now and I'm the last generation that I remember not going on the internet when I was a kid. Um, so it's kind of been part of my adolescence, but I'm aware that a lot of coaches obviously are, are older than me and they didn't grow up with the kind of digital age. And, and obviously, as I said before, I've also worked in the digital age for, for, for such a long time. That it's so in such an integral part, I guess, of who I am. Um, but with social media, it's such a broad thing, but actually what it just means is like a bunch of different platforms. And it's the same as like, if I'm going to make a very bad analogy now that I'm just making up on the spot, but um, it's like, if you went into, uh, I don't know, if you really love jam donuts and you went into a bakery and there was loads of different donuts, um, one of them's a jam donut. You're not going to eat every single donut just because you can. This is going well, this analogy. Uh, I'll give it a go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to pick the jam donut because I like it. I can, and I enjoy it. And that's the thing about social media is that you could be on everything. You could be on, I don't know, you could be on TikTok, you could be on Instagram, you could be on Facebook, you could be on Twitter. Are you going to enjoy them all? No. Are the people that 
you want to attract going to be on them all? No. Like, are you able to sustain a really great presence on five or six social media platforms when there's just you? And, and you know, many of us, myself included, it's just me. Um, are you able resource wise to, to do that? No. So just choose one to start with. And, and there's so many statistics online um, where you can you can look it up. There's a really there's a company called Sprout Social that um, do a report every year on um, social media and they'll break down the demographics of what platform is most prevalent for which um, age groups and demographics. And we can then just link that back to our target audience. So uh, me, for example, Instagram's the best one for me because number one, I enjoy it the most. I hate Facebook. Oh, I hate Facebook. It just, it just, oh, it just bores me. It bores me. It's too conversation based and I don't enjoy that from the platform. I don't think it works for me. Um, but everyone that I know that I've, that I teach, I get a lot of work through Instagram mm-hmm. because a lot of performers are on there um, and they're in the 25 to 35 age bracket, which is the people that I go for. I'm not on TikTok because I don't like it. I don't like TikTok. I find it's just too much. It'd be too much effort for me to do it, quite frankly. And the audience is a lot younger. The audience for TikTok is, I believe it's around, you know, 16 to 24. So they're the younger age bracket. And um, right now in my stage of where, where I am as a coach, I don't want to engage with that. So I'm just, I'm going to put all my eggs in essentially one good basket and I'm going to do my best on that one platform. And then I can still engage in things like advertising, paid advertising on that platform if I want to, to gain access to more people. But it's just something realistic. I know I can go on there. I know that I can post. You know, if I miss a week or so, it's not the end of the world. I could just pick it up and go. Um, but I try and be as consistent as possible. And that's what it's about, just, just working out what you can do realistically don't don't give yourself more stress at the end of the day we're coaches like we're there for the student for that hour we're not there for the hundreds of people that want a free breathing exercise even though it helps our brand awareness obviously Mm -hmm. um um so so yes so work out where your audience are and what you can do uh realistically and then just try it out let's have some fun with it Mm -hmm. because social media is that space between your mate and your student really it's that kind of weird gray area where people want to know who you are a little bit more so you can be a bit more playful with it but you can't you don't want to be too personal because it's still your business yeah so it's, but you don't want to be completely professional because it's boring no one wants to be sold to honestly so it's a really kind of interesting gray area in between it and that's why you can have fun with it because you could try things and it won't work and you could try things and it does work and then you can figure out, well, this actually works for me. It didn't take me so much time, but I got better engagement. People liked it more. People commented on it more, you know, and and run things like little campaigns and stuff without it being just overwhelming, mm. really, which yeah. is what social media, like we said at the beginning, d- does. It just makes you feel overwhelmed when you think yeah. about it. It does. It does. And I wonder what your advice would be to the, the teachers who – uh, say their demographic is more to that 16 to 24 year old mm-hmm. um, audience who does use who do use TikTok mm-hmm. but they don't feel comfortable and it's in it's not in their personality to kind of do their yeah. I don't even I was about to do it then I was like oh no absolutely not <laughs> some weird dance <laughs> some yeah. weird dance that um great if you're into it but yeah. if you're if it makes you 
if that's totally not you, but those mm-hmm. are your, that's your audience. How do you go about that? Is that going to be a harder job for you or can you kind of use other platforms to your advantage? What would be your... Yeah, I do. Option two. Option two, definitely. If you don't want to put up 20, 10 second, 20 second videos, um, use something different. YouTube. You know, the, the main point of YouTube that they've still got a really young demographic, but people just want to know stuff. They do. Like, it's not really used in the way that it was. It's not used for cat videos so much anymore. It's now used for how do I do this? Show me how to do this. Um, so you might want to go for something a little bit more long form, maybe that suits your personality a little bit better, that is more kind of tutorial based if you're a little bit more um, reserved, should I say. Um, you might want to go for something like that, which suits you better. It might take a little bit longer, but I mean, you can record a video on your phone and put it up because as, as long as the content is good, people will watch it. Mm. And then you can learn, obviously, how to make better videos. The more you do it, the more mistakes you make, the better you'll get at it. But it's not the be all and end all. If, you know, if TikTok, we don't want to do TikTok, there are still young people on things like Instagram. It's not it's not something you should rule out. Uh, you've still got to enjoy what you're doing. And there's always going to be options. You know, I think TikTok is about trends and it is about, it's about opinions and it's about getting people, people kind of showing off, really. It's about showing off trends, people getting stuff really quickly. Um, and if that's something you don't want to engage with, then don't. Mm. You know, some people love it and they're really great at it. You know, and and if you've got quite an outgoing personality, um, then embrace it. You know, but but there will always be a little small level of shame. You know, on putting your, especially if I feel shame when I put uh, when I put a live video up. You you get that. Oh God, it's so bad. Oh, oh I look weird. Oh, my eyebrows are rough. You know, it could be anything that you say. Um, you get over that the more you do it because it's just like throwing. It's just like. So like pissing in the wind. That's what they say, isn't it? You're just throwing things and it blows away because it's so instant social media that you might as well try it and see what happens. Mm. And no one really is going to laugh at you because you're so small, such a small fish in this giant pond, like that you might as well try. Mm. You might as well try. And, And as long as you're not going against what you feel comfortable with like if you feel a bit uncomfortable it's okay if you're like obviously having severe anxiety don't do it you know there's other ways that you can market yourself but if you feel a bit apprehensive about it I'd say just try it you know as a personal goal like I'm going to go live twice in the next two months once a month and then you just it becomes weirdly normal Mm. weirdly normal (laughs) and what would what would you say to the people who are apprehensive about doing it because of uh, what you hear so much about with trolling? Oh, it's a gamble. It's a gamble. You know, I think there has to be a small faith in humanity when you do it. Um, Last year I did, I did this, I don't know why, ridiculous campaign. I did 365 days of singing on Instagram. So every day I put up, I know, I know it was long. 365 was funny enough a lot longer than I anticipated but I either did like a little uh, minute of a cover or I did like an exercise or something um and it went really well and during that whole 365 days I had two bad comments and they weren't even that bad Mm. one of them was just like 
such and such things it better just replied with a thumbs up like it's like cool like have an opinion it doesn't matter no one said anything about my looks no one said anything you know weird about me like it was a lot more of a community than I anticipated actually I think people were way nicer than I thought they were going to be because I was in the same space I thought oh people are going to read me to filth but they didn't they didn't and I think that the people that will be finding your video you know if we're if you're putting a video out of a breathing exercise people that are finding it nine times out of ten will be people that are looking for it you know and the people that see it more organically are probably going to be the people that already follow you who are your friends you know and they're not going to be like you breathe weird like that you know they're not going to be like that are they (laughs) or if they are they're not your friends um so I think yeah I think it's just you've got to dip your toe in and we're never going to be trolled like we're not celebrities Mm -hmm. you know we're not like and I was, I was uh, listening to a really good podcast this morning um, and it was saying that um, if you think about it, if a hundred percent of your week, if 80% of that week is positive and 20% is negative, that's a stat that um, is used in like CBT, uh, CBT, like therapy. That's how they define those numbers. And if you take that onto something online, if eight comments are good and two comments are bad, that's normal. Mm-hmm. So for us, you know, that that's a normal week. Eight things I do great in my job, two things I do bad in my job every week. That's just life. Mm. Everyone's got an opinion. And that's kind of sometimes obviously the bad side of social media, but I wouldn't let it stop you. I wouldn't let it stop you. I don't think it's well, everyone's experiences is their own. But I I personally from from the people that I know that are on social media haven't experienced anything like that. Mm. and with with our mindset as well if we can get that kind of we can check in with ourselves and before we post something maybe have a plan of action to react to potential outcomes then maybe those things won't seem quite so scary maybe yeah I think that that you just have to have that hidden confidence like we're naturally sensitive because we're creative everyone creative we naturally take things to heart a lot more and um you know you just have to accept that people think of things differently. You know, if, if someone, I don't know, it hasn't happened, but if someone was like, oh, you're fat on social media, well, I'm, I'm not, and I know I'm not. So cheers. Thanks for your feedback. Thumbs up. You know, or if they're like such and such, like I said, such and such sings this song better or that exercise was really rubbish. Maybe it's just not for them. Okay. You don't have to engage with me. Yeah. <laughs> like, move along you know and you have to kind of have that take it or leave it attitude like yeah have your opinion if you really want to waste your time expressing it like cool good for you but it's no reflection on you as a coach you know those eight you know using the eight two thing those eight people that gave you positive feedback in real life in your sessions that week they're the real you know that they're the real things you want to be taking home with you if Joe blogs on the internet, says one bad thing, don't, all right, Joe, don't follow me then. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like, you've just got to kind of be, you've got to draw that line. Um, and that's what you said, checking in with yourself. You've just got to be like, I'm going to put it out there. Someone says something bad. That's their opinion. It has no actual real life affliction on my life. Mm. Nothing changes. That's the truth of it. Yeah. You know, especially yeah. at our level. Mm. we're not footballers we're not 
celebrities. We're actually just nice people trying to promote ourselves and to outreach to help other people. Mm. And, and do, people do see that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you were saying earlier about how, um, you know, it's going to be hard to to keep up six social media platforms um, because we do a lot of this stuff. A lot of this stuff that we do as vocal coaches is on our own. We have to do the admin side and there's loads of technology to help us with that. Mm -hmm. But also you were um, on the course, you mentioned a few outsourcing services that we can use that may be able to do our social media for us or help us with our website help us with a logo mm -hmm. so do you have any um of those that you can share where would you kind of recommend people to look yeah sure so um I know in the course I mentioned Canva C-A-N-V-A Canva is I, I know you obviously know of it now it's so great such a good free tool because we're not all designers as well. And we haven't all got the time to be designers or to use Photoshop and figure out how to use it. So Canva's a really great kind of free tool where it's got a great logo creator on. It will, you basically almost buy a brand and then you can go on and create social media posts that are on brand, you know, loads of stuff that basically help, even like banners, you know, real life things, that things that you could very easily I know it sounds bad because I know designers, I feel like I'm putting them out of a job, but it's okay. It's, a, you know, it's different. Um, if you, you could pay a designer to do it, but if you want to take it into your own hands, then obviously it's quite templated. So you can't go that wrong. You know, it still is going to look nice going forward. Um, so Canva would be one that I'd definitely say to, to look at if you're looking to do things design-based, like logos and that type of thing. Um, websites, I'm on Squarespace. I know a lot of people are on Squarespace. Uh, I think they're the Don. I think they're kind of the king of website builders. Um, they, you are given so much flexibility and the platform is really um, well built. Uh, so it's very optimized for, for SEO, search engine optimization. So, so Google does like websites that are built on Squarespace. Um, in comparison to something, say, like Wix, Wix, which is W-I-X, uh, the platform is not so SEO friendly, but you get more design options, let's say, and it's a little bit cheaper. Um, so, so Wix is absolutely fine, but Squarespace, I would say as well, they've got Acuity Booking, which I know quite a few people use already, um, which has a really, it's a really great online booking system, which let's be honest, we all need now, because that's kind of the point of the website is to get them to to buy into us and to reduce some of that admin and has a lot of built-in tools, you know, all the marketing tools you would need that a lot of web builders have, newsletters, it has a shop, pretty much everything that you would need. And a lot of that SEO stuff that we were talking about on the course is all built in there. They want you to achieve. That's the point of their business. They want to take your money so that your website keeps going. So they're going to be as helpful as possible for you there. Um, with what was the third one? There was logo, there was, oh, social media. Yeah, social media. Um, so, you, I mean, you've got a few options. Obviously, you can go freelancer. If you've got a local freelancer, that's quite, a, it, it's quite a nice relationship. If you've got a, a, a kind of a young person that is looking to maybe get some work, like I say work experience, but, you know, maybe they're quite early on in their career or they want to make a bit of extra money on the side. Freelancing and getting them to help is always going to be a great thing because they've grown up with it. You know, they've grown up with it and, and it takes a lot of the admin out, but the content is always probably going to have to come from you. You know, you're mm. always going to have to be the one driving it unless you're paying them kind of full time to be a, a marketeer for you. Um, so, so yeah, you could pay a freelancer. 
I mean, you can have a nice one-to-one chat, take it for a cup of tea, you know, and have that kind of nice relationship, maybe even a colleague. Oh, God forbid a colleague. <laughs> um, or <laughs> or um, you can do things like if you're going to create social media posts, you can use things like uh, there's Hootsuite, at, uh, which is mainly for Twitter, uh, Sprout Social, um, and also Buffer, Buffer, which is B-U-F-F-E-R, um, which are all scheduling tools. So Buffer's uh, probably the cheapest. I think it might even be free for three platforms of your choice. So you can just make all your content. I say that like, it's make a, yeah. have a marketing day, make a lot of the content, or at least decide on it, schedule it, and then you don't have to log in at 8 o'clock on a Monday night or 10 a.m. on a Monday morning to post it. It will do it automatically for you. And then you can just bop on and reply to some comments. So it means for us, you know, when we're in sessions, we'd have to be thinking, oh, I haven't posted that thing today. And it like hangs over you. You can even do it monthly, you know, even weekly, start of the week, schedule everything for the week as part of your process. So useful. So yeah. handy and time saving. Yeah, I know. Right. Because the worst thing is being like, I haven't posted that thing. Ah. Yeah. And then you're like, it's too late now. I'm not going to post it. Yeah. And I've been having such fun on Canva. I mean, I'm not sure that I've designed my website, but I'm pretty sure that I have designed my living room. Yes! <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm not sure about B6713, but I think that'll be really nice on that back wall. <laughs> such a note, like such a nerd, like laughing at a hex code. I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> but it is. I'm like, nah. I don't think that'll work for the logo, but the kitchen. Now I mean... <laughs> benefits of digital marketing restyling yeah. your home didn't know that you were an interior designer until you started until you okay. until you get your colors so <laughs> I, I've kind of come up with a game are you up for okay. a game always always so <laughs> this has kind of come from the psychology behind branding from mm-hmm. what I learned about um colors and fonts from your course mm-hmm. Um, and speaking to the pricing coach, um, Mark Peacock, a while ago about setting fees, he was talking a lot about the psychology of buying. And we've got a blog um, on the Bass website all about setting your fees. Um, but it was very delving into the psyche. And, you know, I always feel like I can trick advertising mm-hmm. like oh I'm not buying I'm not buying that because you've shoved it in my face and the next thing I'm like picking it out of my cupboard yes. <laughs> I'm like yeah, yeah. damn you got me <laughs> but um yeah it was really psychological and I felt that with the colors and the fonts and how mm. they speak to people so I've come up with a game it's like a quick fire gonna throw some color names at you okay and uh I I've do you want to hear the name yeah I really okay, do come yeah. up with the name <clears throat> Swatcher thinking <laughs> I love that. That's such a good pun. Tumbleweed. No, I'm I'm such a fan of a pun because I could never think of them. I mean, well done. It took a while, and that was all I could get. So we're sticking with it. I think we've won. What you're thinking? <laughs> yes. Okay. Right. Quick fire. Okay. So we tell me what sort of demographic or person or age this might mm-hmm. um, get get you relating to so baby pink okay baby pink says to me I feel so awful saying this because it goes against so many of my personal ethics and politics female sorry guys like baby pink would say to me young child um yeah some because it's quite a soft color so it's you know I'd say young female that's what I'd say very soft very like I'll look after you okay okay interesting um carrot orange 
oh, strong. I'd say very uh, male or female. I'd say carrot orange would be very bright. So I'd say vibrant and creative. So that to me would be um, it, all I can think of is stagecoach because I know they use orange. Yeah. So it could be, you know, if it's quite a vibrant, yeah, it could be like a group scenario. Orange would work really well. And I think as well, um, if you're looking for fun, it's quite a fun colour. So I'd say vibrant, creative, fun. So it could work for kids and adults, but I think group scenarios, it could be, it could work well in. Amazing. Um, deep purple. Oh, I love a deep purple. Cabris. Yes. Cabris, exactly. yeah. Cabri- royal. Cabris of royal. Um, deep purple says to me, um, I'd say, oh, let me have a think. Deep purple, deep purple. All I can think of is dairy milk. It's like <laughs> on my brain. I'm like, oh, don't, yeah, don't eat the chocolate. Don't eat the chocolate. Deep purple, I would say, is um, older. I'd say deep purple would go for more. Um, it could be more female-led, I think, essentially. But, I mean, you know, it's a spectrum. So you can but I go slightly more towards female-led with that. I would say that it's quite, it's regal. So it's quite uh, professional. Mm. So I would say a deep purple would be, um, let me take quite a lot of your money, would be how I would put the deep purple. I think deep purple is quite uh, prolific. I would say as a mm. colour. Nice. Let me okay. take your money is what I said for that. Let awful. me take your money. Let me take your money. <laughs> uh, mm. a, a bold print. So having a nice bold font. Mm. Uh, confidence. Is it a thick font? So a thick, bold font. Yeah, let's go. Let's go the, the thick kind of thick. permanent marker style. Okay. I'd say if it's thick, a thick, bold font. If it's too thick, I would say it goes more towards childlike and mm-hmm. it goes more towards like caps lock shouting, uh, which works well if you're going for like a younger audience, definitely. Font obviously doesn't really transcend into gender. It just talks to whoever it's talking to. But I would say definitely it's confident, it's loud. Um, so for me, I would say that goes more towards towards children. I'd say the thinner, the thinner the uh, bold, the the kind of caps lock font goes the uppercase font goes the older it would go okay that's how I would uh say that what about an italic oh an italic um I personally I hate italics I don't know what it really? is about them yeah I don't know why I find them offensive You're like I think, stand up have good posture <laughs> yeah I just think it's to me it think I think about quotes I think about um, almost like secondhand information oh. so um I this again it might be a personal thing it might not be actually what um the industry says about mm-hmm. it but um I do know quite a lot of the brands that I worked with banned italics we're really? not allowed to use italics yeah yeah they banned it in most brand guidelines italics is actually banned um because of that reason it feels a bit slanted it's almost like a bit lazy and it's a bit kind of secondhand information um so if you are going to use italics use it for quotes great go there but I, I would say it's a, a lot more chilled out maybe than hmm. than a, a straight font would be. Interesting, interesting. Okay, what about a royal blue? Royal blue. Oh, my school uniform. That's what I would say about a royal blue. Uh, royal blue would be, I guess it's quite a bold colour. Um, I would say if I'm going to look at it, unfortunately, I would probably lean towards an older male. Mm-hmm. maybe with a royal blue um but again that could be the gender stereotypes that have been seeped into my brain from society really mm-hmm. um but 
but I would lean towards that. I would say there's an element of fun to it, obviously, because it's a little bit brighter than a navy, which navy I would be an older gentleman, but the royal blue is a bit younger. Um, but I would say that, yeah, it's a bit of a fun colour um, because it's a bit brighter with a hint of professionalism. Also, I would go for, nice. yeah, just a hint, but I wouldn't go for royal blue because that's mm. just a bit overwhelming, I would say. Yeah. And what about um, a burgundy? Oh, I love a burgundy. Love a burgundy. Oh, I do love it's it's just a classic colour. Like well, you're wearing burgundy. Absolutely. So. Staple. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I think a burgundy is really great. I think it, it um there's a warmth to burgundy actually. So I think burgundy would work quite well for it works quite well in, in many scenarios, but there's a warmth to it, there's a comfort in burgundy. I think you could partner it really well with other colours. Um, mm. like if you were gonna use you can't really use there's an argument of whether gold is real on the internet. I don't oh, know if you've right. ever seen that. Um, can you really get gold as a digital colour? Who mm. knows? But you can partner it with some nice kind of other colours. Um, and I think burgundy is, yeah, it's it's warmth. It's uh, a little bit more kind of more professional. It's maybe a bit older. I wouldn't use it for children. I would use it for, for kind of adults mm-hmm. going forward. Um, but I think it's, um, I think it works really well as a colour. I, I, all I can say is I love burgundy. I think it's great. Mm. I think it's quite a versatile colour, especially gender-wise as well. Mm. it's a a keeper yeah I love it I love love the burgundy and uh, last on the game then sunflower yellow oh I love yellow 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 um is great because it's it's quite a courageous color um it's quite bold so it does work well for a lot really basically everyone it works really well I mean if you're going to use it a lot for children it locks into that kind of fun creative aspect for them similar to the orange that we spoke about earlier uh, but if you use it more sparingly, so for example, if you had a predominantly white colour palette, but with like yellow accents, so your buttons were yellow um, or, you know, had yellow um, overlay on your images, then it can just look like have little pops of colour and work really well and look really professional yeah. going forward. And and that, uh, well, you'll see it on my website, I've got predominantly white, but I have pops of purple mm. and pink, which are the other two colours in my palette. And it just adds that element of like, I'm a bit fun. I'm a bit fun. I'm quite creative and quite vibrant, exactly like yellow is. It's a very mm-hmm. vibrant colour. Um, it's quite an open colour. You feel quite happy when you see it. So it's quite inviting. Um, but it's not so much that it feels overwhelming, like too childlike. So predominantly yellow, childlike, hints of yellow, adult. That's what I would roll for. And it again, it transcends gender. It doesn't really sp- spring to mind who would mm. love it more. Yeah. Amazing. Well, if vocal coaching doesn't work out, I think we've both uh, got our careers set at home base of B&Q on the paint stand, to be honest. I love the paint stand. I could just look at the paint stand all day. When it's organised, it's just a joy, isn't it? It's just a joy. Yeah. Just love a bit of decorating. I'm really helping my nerd status now. I just love looking at paint colours. I love watching paint. Yeah. uh, It's just something satisfying, yeah, about a good colour. I think that's the years of working with designers have drilled it into me because often I would obviously take things to them in the early days and they would be like, that is disgusting. Yes. I'll be like, why? It's not. And they're like, no, that is awful. So they've Cute. drilled into me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they basically, um, yeah, they've not physically, but mentally slightly kind of beaten the stick at me to to kind of think about colours a lot more than I would have done. 
Yeah. Prime example of what we said at the beginning when we were saying that obviously people don't see things in the same way and that that's a, a prime example. Exactly. Who would think that colour makes such a difference? But it, it really does. Mm. And it's so interesting to kind of use that and delve into it and um, and just use that to your advantage of of branding. And I'm, I'm really mm-hmm. looking forward to getting my website kind of really set up with everything I've learned from your course because it was it was really really great and um probably the most coherent thing I've come across in digital marketing since I started um with with the books on the shelf that I I barely touched (laughs) it's just overwhelming so having someone to chat it through with um is 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 really invaluable so please let us know when you plan to launch Mm -hmm. another one or where um what you kind of do with that because it was really invaluable um but thank you so much for chatting to us today and uh yeah it was so fun um i will get you on again for the next swatch your thinking (laughs) awesome yes more swatch your thinking more swatch your thinking no definitely and and with the course i will be running it again at some point this year so if you are interested there's a little link in the blog that i that you're going to pop out uh just to register your interest and then obviously i can keep you uh, in the loop when I start running it again probably through summer sometime but yeah. we'll see Excellent. with your Christmas tree up and Die Hard on in the background which as we said oh. in the beginning is a Christmas film oh. thank you very much <laughs> enjoyed this episode of the podcast make sure you sign up to our mailing list you get our latest blogs fresh off the internet and we'll let you know about any upcoming courses events and goodies that the voice world brings our way all you need to do is tap that link in the episode description and let us know where to send them